everyone. Thanks again for coming back to another episode of Built By. Um, this week, really excited for our guest, uh, Renee DeLorenzo, who is the sales manager at uh, Newell by Anderson, New Jersey, New York, Metro. Renee, thank you so much for, for joining today. Hey, Matt. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I want to you know get a little bit about your background just to kind of set the scene a little bit. Um, yeah. So you have a really interesting um, backstory about the home improvement industry and how you got into it. So you, you've really gone from, you know, you started at the bottom and you worked your way to the top. And it's a really amazing story that we're going to get into a little bit. But um, I would love to hear, you know, how you got started in the industry, um, what, you know, kept you there. And um, as you worked, I think you started as a call center rep and you worked your way up to a sales manager role. Um, I'd, I'd love to just hear kind of your backstory there. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I was actually, I, I got a call for a temp job, you know, through a temp agency to work the phones in a call center. And initially when I received the call, um, I said no. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and then I, I literally in that moment realized, hey, you know what, this actually this job is, is pretty close to uh, my boyfriend's house. So maybe it's convenient. So I actually called back and decided it would be a great part time job. I was going to school at Fairleigh Dickinson for marine biology at the oh, time. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. And uh, yeah, I took a part-time job working in the call center at a company called Garden State Brickface and Stucco. At that time, I was 19. Didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Who knew? <laughs> no yeah. one ever knows. <laughs> and uh, yeah, from there, it was it was fascinating because it, um, it was literally before they had do not call lists. No one had caller ID. They didn't know who you are. So they answered. <laughs> so at least you can get people on the phone. And we had what they called green lists, which I don't know. You know, you're too young. But these green yeah. lists just have names and numbers. Okay. Right? So yeah. we used to have a ruler. You used to just basically go down the list. And you knew you had to make 100 calls to get so many responses. And they said, smile while you dial. And that was it. And so doing that, I used to, um, I used to drive. To work, it was very close to my boyfriend's house, and there was a Dunkin' Donuts. And here I am, like I'm working my way through school, I'm busting my butt, trying to do what I need to do, and and balancing. And um, you know, at that time, by the way, in this company, I saw a lot of the sales reps, and I knew what they were making. You know, they were on commission, so you know, I, I knew what was going on there. And some of the reps, I would look at it and be like, "Wait, what? That guy's making how much money?" And I'm if, making phone calls for him to have a place to go so uh whatever i was doing what i had to do and i stopped in at a dunkin donuts all the time and, and the one guy working would be you know very friendly and he would ask uh, oh you're on your way to work or school so one time i was like ah oh, you know i'm on my way to work you know i have school tomorrow and i'll never forget it because he said to me he's like oh what do you go to school for and i said marine biology and this guy was like in the 60s and his response was Oh, I went to school for marine biology. And I went, oh, that's promising. <laughs> he didn't own Dunkin' Donuts. He was just working there. You know what I'm saying? So not that there's anything wrong with that. It's a respectful job. I'm just saying, you know, my dreams and visions as a 19-year-old were not to be working behind the counter at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I approached my boss at the time. And I wanted to get into sales. And I had to go, you know, through a lot of loops because, you know, again, I was young. I was a woman. The home improvement industry, male dominated, and they didn't know if people would take me seriously. 
um, you know, young girl, big hair, you know, the Jersey girl walking in, you know. So anyway, I actually was able to convince them that uh, that it was a good move. They had me take the profiles and whatever, the disc tests and all that, all that jazz. And um, yeah, even when I was working in the call center, from call center to sales, it was great because I was working with Yoho, Dave Yoho Associates, mm-hmm. and he has a methodology for everything. He probably has a methodology for how to do podcasts. I'm just telling yeah. you. I got to so check he, uh, he's, a, he's amazing. I, I truly consider him my uh, my sales Buddha, you know, because um, I didn't know any better. Got into sales, early 20s, uh, loved it. I was very passionate about it. I enjoyed being in people's homes. It was fascinating to me getting to know uh, just how people met and the, the life stories, the backstories from wealthy homes to little huts, didn't matter. It was very cool. It was always something different. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was making a lot of money. And then it became that turning point where, wait a minute, why am I going to school for marine biology when this is a pretty good gig? Mm-hmm. So I continued with sales and you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be again. Same thing, kind of just guiding myself accordingly. Dappled in you know, part-time doing acting, you know, doing comedy mm-hmm. while I was, you know, running sales appointments, you know, different times, nights and weekends and during the day hustling in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and nights I wasn't working, you know, I'd be in the city doing stand-up comedy. It's just a bizarre tur- like turn of events. I, I would never have, never have been able to predict, you know what I'm saying? It's right. just crazy. Mm-hmm. And then um, from sales, I, I, I started to help out with training. So I became a training manager. And from the training manager, that evolved into sales manager at Garden State Brickface. Yada, yada, yada. Opportunity came up at Renewal by Anderson in 2003. So I assisted the president of this location at that time, who is still the president, actually, Larry Landis, and uh, worked with him to develop a sales team and grow the company at that point and, you know, kind of went up to the ranks, made a decision to come back down a little bit, and I'm mm-hmm. happy. I'm happy where I am. I mean, that is the high-level, quick story of, yeah. you know, my life. I mean, yeah, no. I, yeah, absolutely. And I'd like, so I really want to dive into, like, kind of scope, like, like go to microscope to each little part of that story, too, because I think it's, yeah. it's an amazing, you know, growth. And it's so funny you mentioned the, the stand-up comedy part, because, um, I think you mentioned in our conversation that you got into stand-up comedy after you had been like kind of a call center rep, like taking a lot yeah. of shots from from cold calls, and it kind of thickened you know your skin a little bit when you get up and on stage in front of a lot of people. So um, I'd love to hear. So that point in your career, you're you're a call center rep, and you have call center rep by day, comedian by night, comedian slash actress by night. Um, how did how did you balance that and what were some of the things you were learning at that point in your career that um really followed you through each step i'd love to hear you know your insights there Mm. so it's funny because there are systems with everything we do right they Mm -hmm. tell you their formulas their formulas with being on stage telling jokes their formulas being on the phone their formulas being in the house there's always a system Mm -hmm. and so um you know, that certainly has been a common thread that, you know, it's like, okay, follow, follow a program, you know, not that in any, um, at any point you want to be robotic or, you know, look like you're, you know, saying a script, you want to be yourself, you want to be able to bring uh, your voice to it, but very similar in comedy. 
very similar acting. Acting is all, you know, learning scripts and so forth. So it helps me. It helps me, you know, running, running, working in the call center, working with scripts, um, knowing that, listen, so, so many people are going to say no before you get the one that says yes. It's just a process. And it absolutely, I mean, it helped develop that. Um, like, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, so some people are going to say no. So yeah. <laughs> you go to the next one. Exactly. So, you go to the next one. So, and hopefully the next one says yes. So once you start to realize, I think, and it's the same call center that's inside sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sales out there, it's, it's just, you realize that, you know, listen, if you, if you follow the program, if you follow a process and you have emotional intelligence where you can connect with whoever's on the other side, whether it's on the phone, whether it's a person with you in a, on a sales call or an audience with comedy, mm-hmm. if you can connect with your audience, so to speak, and make what you're saying relatable and connect with them, then you're going to have enough wins. You're going to be successful, you know? Yeah. So, um, so it's helped me in that way. And, you know, from, from call center to, to act, um, I'm sorry, call center to sales, that transition was interesting because, you know, being on the phone, they don't know what you look like. They don't know how old you are. They can try to guess. Mm-hmm. But when you knock on the door and you're a 20, 22 year old New Jersey girl, like I said, with, uh, you know, I still have the big hair. Sorry. Ain't going away. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you knock on the door and you get Vinnie Bumbats answer the door in Brooklyn. It was like, yeah. Can I help you? You're like, hey, you know, I'm Renee in Garden State Ring Race. Mm. What? And they look at you like, anybody with you? <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't know. It's just fascinating. I, I, that was, I guess, the the greatest challenge was learning not to care about that initial reaction. You yeah. know, it, it also became, I think, my um, my it, my drive, like my my winning formula because I Mm -hmm. knew I had to know what I was talking about. Right. And I had to be on point and show them that I was an expert without arrogance so that they would see and, you know, so that they would trust me with their project. So, and that's the same thing with comedy, you know, comedy, I say, you know, when I look at comedy and I look at um, uh, sales, I hate that there's this tech salesman. Oh, you're saleswoman. No, I'm, it's just sales rep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, believe me, I'm not getting weird about it. I'm just saying it's like you're either a sales, rep or you're a sales rep. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're a he, she, they, it, whatever mm-hmm. you're a sales rep, you know, you're representing something, a brand, a company, a product. And, um, and that's it. It's about, again, how you, how you treat your customer. It has to be all about them. And if you're able to do that and again, be relatable, then that's all you need to know. And the same thing on stage, a hey, comedian, 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 it's just comedian. You're up there telling jokes, you know? So exactly. from there, I, I, you know, the only thing that should polarize you is you. If you decide to to, to do material that separates you from, from the mm-hmm. masses, then it's a choice. But I always was just very generic with that as well, all observational humor. And um, and in sales, I would just, I never thought of myself as, as a saleswoman. And so when I would get greeted that way, initially, it'd be like, what is this one? So, uh I always loved, you know, the point in, in our conversation where you'd see the transition, the magic, you know, you'd see it spin where all of a sudden, oh, look at, he's talking to me now. Like, I do know what I, I do know what I'm representing. And they didn't just send me out here because they didn't have anyone else to come or all the men called out sick, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, 
so yeah, so I never saw it as like a woman thing, but that was one of the things that, you know, was a challenge because how people saw me, not yeah. how I saw myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, yeah, totally. And that's, you know, interesting you bring that up and it's no secret that the home improvement industry is definitely kind of a male dominated, you know, industry. Um, but it, it's one thing that, you know, a lot of people never really have to take into consideration when they're going for those, you know, in-person meetings about how is somebody going to just, yeah, like you said, open the door and you never know what reaction you're going to get. So it's interesting you mentioned that as like kind of a driving factor for you too, um, because I know we talked a little bit earlier, your next step was becoming a sales manager. And mm-hmm. from our conversation, it sounded a lot like, you you thought this was really your your calling and you're working you're you love being in front of people and you love sales but at the same time you can coach your own reps and you can get them on the same um process or or, you know um strategy that you have and that you've learned so um making that transition to become a sales manager I, i think you mentioned that it was definitely um kind of a culture shock Um, Because there's some personality changes that have to take place from being a sales rep to actually managing sales reps. So when when you first became a sales manager, I'd love to hear, um, you know, some of your thoughts there and and some of the things you had to overcome, maybe personally or maybe professionally um, to become an effective manager. Yeah, sure. So when you're in sales and you are the sales rep, all you're doing is managing your own personality, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And your own uh, your own um, mindset, mm-hmm. you know. Becoming a sales manager, you you have a lot of different personalities, and there are many personal. I mean, we know that. Listen, there are certain types of people who can be successful, uh, typically, that they see in sales, and so there are a variety of um, ways to determine if someone's right as far as personality type. But then when you get into that category under that the umbrella of those that fit uh, that type of, of job, mm-hmm. uh, you have many individual, you know, people the the background, their backgrounds, their um, their egos. You know, mm-hmm. you're managing a lot, and so initially, when I first of all, I love love helping people. So I would love. You know, if I was helping someone, you know, training someone, um, you know, before I was anointed the sales manager and I was helping them with training, it's like, I love the moment when someone gets it. Mm-hmm. I love making a difference and having someone see the light and you can, you can see it where there's like, oh, and then when you see them apply it and have success, that, that is an awesome feeling. Now I don't have children. I have animals. I have dogs, but <laughs> I get, I, I imagine it's very similar to seeing again your child or whatever is this is maybe a crazy analogy, but <laughs> your child something and then sure. seeing them actually do it and be successful. It's like that feeling. I become very protective of my group. I love my team. And um, when I would again just helping them, whether it's in a conversation where they had that aha moment, and it may be something with a fundamental, it may be something with mindset, but having um, the opportunity to have someone shift their mindset, um, the opportunity to help them correct something that they you know, they didn't even realize they were they were off track with, and then seeing them have success after you've coached them, it's just an awesome feeling. It really is an awesome feeling, and um, and yeah, so that was a big shift for me because I was very in the beginning. My profile 
I ha I don't know if you're familiar, but in sales, there's there's one one profile. And again, through Yoho, uh, we always use the disc profiles. And so one of the one of the profiles for sales is a uh, persuader profile, and that's where you have a very high D, which is your drive, right, and dominance, and I, which is inspiration, ability to talk your way through things. So I had a very high I in the beginning. And I had to, because from the call center, you have to be able to keep going. You have to, you know, you, you can't waste time worrying about whether or not somebody likes you. You just have to get the job done, mm -hmm. right? And so it was the same thing, you know, even, you know, when you go into sales, you needed, I needed more of that, you know, ability to, to relate to them. So it's not like, you know, when you look at the profile, you know, the D and the I are supposed to be high, but I had a higher D, which typically means... Just a little bit of arrogance and self-righteousness, and maybe it's manageable, and you can, you know, you know, you can soften that up when you're out there on your own. But when you're managing people, typically it uh, it creates that feeling of uh, uh, they don't have a voice, they can't come talk to you, they don't feel like you're approachable. It's your way or no way. That that feeling of a dictatorship. They don't leave you feeling really inspired. They feel beat up when they've done something wrong. So to shift gears, and when I first started, I was challenged with this. I didn't have a lot of patience. I didn't have a lot. You know, I had I as much as I I was good in the field selling and listening to customers. I didn't see my sales reps as customers. Mm. I just saw them as pains in the ass. <laughs> so <laughs> and I was like, just do it. What do you mean? Just do it. So there was that transition. The self-awareness was huge. And anyone who's looking to transition from sales to sales management, self-awareness is huge. You need to know what your own personality is, your strengths and your weaknesses. And then you can absolutely work on transitioning that, shifting that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's um, it has to start with awareness, though. So. I made a conscious effort, and I've taken various programs. I mean, uh, through uh, the Landmark Forum, different communication programs, different seminars about active listening. Um, again, just whatever was available to learn how to improve those skills, the listening skills, and the ability to coach someone without them feeling like you just beat them up. Right. Well, if you can tell someone that what you just did was horrible, but still have them feel good about it, that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a lot to you know to work with someone who may have just bastardized a presentation where you're like, oh my god, uh, <laughs> to sit with them and to walk them through. Wow, you kind of suck, but <laughs> in a nice way. Yeah, um, definitely took a long time to develop that ability. So it's all about investing in yourself. If you're gonna if you're gonna transition into that into that um, position in a management position, I think you know it's it's I've seen and believe me I've seen managers come and go. I've seen egos rule the roost. I've seen you know the whole tough uh, fear. You know I'm gonna lead from fear and I'm gonna let them know you know you're gonna be fired if you don't do this. It's like you know everyone pretty much you're dealing with everyone's a grown up. Mm -hmm. So how do you have someone you know hear you and want to talk to you so that you know yeah you know you're making an impact with them but the next time they have an issue they're coming to you they look forward to those conversations they want those coaching calls because they walk away feeling uplifted and also walking away corrected right and i forget how i said it to you even yesterday i said you have to what did i say um i don't remember 
anyway, um, <laughs> but but to do that, that that took a while. And because in the beginning, I also wanted to be friends. I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to be, you know, I started out with such a small group. I was more concerned about, you know, because you come from being in sales. You're one of them. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you, you cross the line and it's different. You cannot be friend and manager the same, the same way you can mm -hmm. have connections and relationships, but you know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different relationship. Yeah. So it took a while, it took a while yeah. to develop, that. but it was again, taking courses and communication courses and self, you know, just things to for investing yourself, mm -hmm. you know, to improve listening skills and patience and, yeah, so that's, that, that's the sign of a true manager is, is someone that is willing to take time out of their life outside of work, really to become a better, you know, manager, a better employee for a company. And that, that's so awesome to hear that, um, you know, there are people out there that actually do that, they, that are effective managers. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. And another thing kind of touching again on, on the sales manager portion of this is, um, and you, you mentioned it earlier and I'd love to dive back into it is, you know, you think of stand up comedy or something like that and you think they're just winging, winging it up on stage. And like you said, there's a process to it. There's a very fine process and you are very process oriented, process driven. And it sounds like you have been your whole career, but you, you brought up an interesting point. Um, I think during the Dave Yoho seminar about, um, there's process and there's, there, there's two things. It's winging it. And then it's, you know, having flexibility on, yes. on the sides of that process. So um, in, in your kind of coaching methodologies and how you teach your reps, um, I'd love to hear your differences there. Um, and I think there was a really good poker analogy that I'd love to hear again. I would probably butcher it if I tried it. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. So um, so. The one thing, and, and again, some of this you learn just trial and error, mm -hmm. right? As you hire people and you get someone who may look the part, you get someone who's really bright, really intelligent, and they're able to regurgitate the scripts, you know? So you have a method, you have a process and you teach them that process and they're great. They can spew it out. But if you put them in front of a customer and they spew it out this way, and then you put them in front of another customer and they spew it out the same way, and then they spew it out the same way, they're not connecting. They're right. not, it, you know, it's, it's, so it's interesting because it's having the process, you need the foundation, right? So it's preparation leads to improvisation, mm -hmm. but you need someone. So when we, we look for our candidates, we look for both intelligence and emotional intelligence, because again, they have to be able to take the time up front with the customer and truly learn who they're sitting with, what's important to them, you know, what are their values so they don't make assumptions or, or project their own values on the customer. And that takes someone who can read the situation, who can read body language, mm -hmm. who can understand and listen to the customer's response and actually have that be um, just an indicator of what they should ask next, that it may not be in a specific order because you're allowing it to unfold naturally, which is what makes all the difference when customers are in a position where they ultimately buy from you and they don't feel like they're sold. Well, that how that happens is you learn who they are first, and then you take all the material that you have, and you have all these modules you may be trained from product to 
you know, whatever parts, you know, of the process that you do, it's how do you then take this process that you could, if you needed to go through, you know, A, A through C, how do you take it then and say, you know what, what makes sense here is I have to take D and put that first. And then I'm going to take Z and I'm going to bring that up here because mm-hmm. I want to connect. I want to keep them engaged. I want to make sure that they feel this is for them, not for us. So it's it's being able to be flexible. That's what I mean by flexible. It's also being able to relinquish some control, right. but still being in control, right? So it's knowing that, listen, with what we're dealing with now with COVID, you know, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate an uncomfortable customer which could mean a variety of things as far as how you're pitching with location. You know, where are you? Are you outside? Are you in your car? Are they in their car? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a sales rep who was literally in his car and the customer was in their car because it was raining out. Hmm. So they weren't in the house. They weren't in the garage. They weren't in the backyard. They were social distanced <laughs> in, in their cars. You know, so if you're too rigid with your approach, you, you're going to break. You're yeah. going to break. Your performance will break. So now, being flexible is not winging it. Winging it, when I referenced, was something I heard from from uh, from a colleague of mine, Jason Sharkey. He said it's like hitting on eighteen in blackjack. Mm-hmm. That if you go down Atlantic City and listen, I I love gambling, but I play things that, you know, I can't piss someone else off. You know, I'm not <laughs> counting where I could affect someone else. That's not happening. Oh, yeah. So but he shared with me again rule of thumb you're playing blackjack you have a table with a bunch of people you're not hitting on 18. you'll be tempted to but if you do that's like winging it you're taking a chance it's high risk Mm -hmm. and you may win you may win a couple hands but ultimately what happens is you're bound to lose so you need to be smart Mm -hmm. um winging it as it relates to a process winging it is saying "Uh uh-huh yeah i got it and i'm gonna i i've been trained everything but, you know, I've been selling for years. I know what I'm doing. And going out there and just mm. thinking that you could sell on sizzle and be all rapport and warm them up. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do a warm up. I'm not going to take no. I'm going to always be closing. I'm, you know, <laughs> and go in with this ego driven mentality, all, you know, caught up in what you think is I'm so charming, you know, and you go in winging it. And listen, you may still sell some of those jobs, but they, they're going to have a higher cancel rate because there has to be substance. And there's a reason why there are sales systems. And regardless of who you see out there, like, again, I am a Yoho disciple, Yoho associates. I love Dave. Um, but whether you, you know, you can listen to and go on YouTube and see clips from Jeffrey Gittimer. You can, you know, you can hear different methods. Tom Hopkins had, has various books. I mean, all different industries, all related to sales. They'll tell you sales is the art of asking questions, certainly transfer of energy, but they talk about having a process and an approach, mm-hmm. you know, all the successful trainers and speakers out there that are working with these companies on how to implement these successful sales programs are working with a step system or some kind of system. So, um, so, you know, the whole, and I remember this used to be it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Read this material. A lot of product training, and then go out with that guy. Go listen. <laughs> go. I'm going to send you out in the field with lots of sales reps, and just learn what they do. Mm. Which was another learning opportunity for me. You cannot train what you've developed or personalized as a generic method mm-hmm. to the masses. You can't. So you know, it's yeah. not about emulating someone else. It's having the system, and then after you've 
truly become comfortable with a system, then maybe after 100 appointments, start to develop your voice. Now, you can learn from others without a doubt. You learn persistence. You learn maybe different stories and anecdotes of how they get beyond and overcome objections. But I've seen arrogant sales management so ego-driven that they try to teach, well, this is what I did in the house. And you can sit in a sales meeting and all they do is talk about, well, when I was selling, this is what I did. Mm. And well, this is how I would do it. You know, I, I remember I used, to, so I used to be so good at those appointments because I used to sell all of them. So here's what I did. And you're teaching so many different personalities and backgrounds where they're looking at you like, that doesn't fit me. Mm -hmm. You know, so you need a generic approach that's trainable regardless of personality, as long as it fits within that sales personality umbrella. You need something that's generic enough that you can train anyone, that anybody can adapt to, and then ultimately, certainly initially make it relatable, be flexible, and then after a period of time, when you have that confidence in everything you're doing, develop your voice, bring it to life a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I think you had another analogy, and it was probably my favorite, about that same kind of that, that management style where it's like a head coach that writes the playbook, gives it to the players, and then sends them out on the field um, and expects them to execute, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I say this because I know there are lots of different opinions. And listen, I, there are lots of ways to do things. So please know, I, I am not arrogant enough to believe that we have the way or I have the way. It's, it's very successful for me and, and for those I work with. But I know there are lots of approaches. So don't be sending any hate emails or whatever. <laughs> no negative comments, please. I can't take it. Um, I'm not as strong as I used to be with the call center. <laughs> no, but um, please. There, there's always, there are always critics, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> there are lots of ways to do it. But one of the things that I found is, you know, if you are not observing your team in the game, it would be, uh, to me, again, in my opinion, as ludicrous as a head coach, football coach, giving them the playbook and then saying, all right, I'm going to hang out in the locker room. When you come back, you'll fill me in. And then the, then the team comes back in after having lost a game and the coach is trying to assess what they did. Because what, what did the players do? No, I did everything perfectly. I followed the playbook play by play. It was excellent, coach. It wasn't me. It was the grass. It was the team. It was this. It was that. <laughs> so for me, it just never fails. And listen, the tyranny of the urgent, as managers, you can get so caught up in problem jobs and paperwork and all the other fun things that we have to manage. But where are you spending most of your time? If it's not with your players, then you're missing an opportunity. And chances are you're not tapped into full potential. You're not getting full potential. So um you know, if you can't be out there, you know, you make accommodations, be flexible. You know, you can speak with them after the appointment. You can have them check in with you, you know, halfway through if they have to go to their car to see, hey, how's it going? Who are the players? What do you have going on? Um, there are lots of ways to do it. So you need to be flexible as well. And again, there's a difference. It's having training behind you, working on yourself, you know, in various ways, whether it's reading books or, you know, again, YouTube clips, audios, whatever you have to do, different seminars. Always look to improve yourself so that you're not winging it, but you still have mm. to be flexible because you do have the different personalities, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so awesome to hear and um, really interesting. And I know I know we've we've kind of run uh, we're running close to the time here, but there's one like last question I would love to ask and um, kind of in the frame of reference from um Sales management before COVID, 
and sales management after COVID. And I'm sure everyone's so tired of hearing about COVID. I am personal. <laughs> but it's so interesting to me to hear how, especially the home improvement industry, which is, for lack of a better term, uh, technologically behind every other industry, it seems like. Um, there's, you know, it, it made a lot of great strides. A lot of companies are doing some things that they never would have thought of doing before. So it's really cool to see that. Um, on the sales management side, you know, you're, you're, you're in-home appointments, and that's really the bulk of how you're making sales and how you're connecting with customers. And then all of a sudden, you can't go in someone's home. So at Renewal by Anderson, and I know um, – you probably have corporate who was assisting, you know, a lot of the franchises underneath. And um, from your perspective as a sales manager, how did you approach your reps? How did you change that sales process into something that made sense um, for, you know, the unforeseen? That you, it's just unbelievable that it's happening sort of thing. Mm. So great question. So certainly, and I know uh, Dave Yoho's seminars that he ran, um, his summit, you had a lot, you heard a lot. Mm -hmm. about flexibility and how to work through this. So uh, first I will tell you, it's interesting because again, um, I, I always looking for ways to improve myself as I, as I spoke about a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Um, one of the things that stuck with me recently, Tony Robbins, right? So I, I have a Tony Robbins coach and I take a variety of programs, you know, I, whatever, a lot about mindset. Yeah. So, I think it's important, you know, what I've what I've learned from one of the more recent seminars that he did was we often start from strategy first. We try to start from strategy and then from strategy, we kind of compare it to what what is or what was what's been right. Whatever story we've been, you know, we've been operating in right mm -hmm. pre COVID or whatever. And then and then we try to work on mindset and I think with COVID more than anything, because you kind of take it. You, well, you haven't kind of taken away. You've taken away a lot of the opportunity to create synergy with the team because you're not all gathering together, the energy coming together, um, working together, role playing together, um, the fun, those things, you know, how, how, how are you managing without that? Because it's, it's a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, then in addition to that, you have now, okay, well, if you do go in the house, you have to wear this mask, you have to talk, you know, from behind the mask and, you know, you may not be able to go in the house. You have to make sure you can do this and do it. I mean, it was a lot to manage. Um, first, we had to start with state of mind. Mm. We had to look at mindset as the first opportunity. And again, what everyone says, not, not just Tony Robbins, but you'll see it across the board. People speak about 80% state of mind. 80% state of mind, 20% mechanics. So we had to start with making sure that the team was prepared mentally. And that instead of looking at it as this, um, as this bad thing, and not that COVID's not bad. I meant the the shift that we had to make. Yeah. Look at it as exciting. And so what I was speaking to with them is, is this is, you're making history. Mm -hmm. We are reinventing the home improvement industry, right? Never been done, not, not like this before. Right. Where you have to be quick to shift, you had to find a way. You had to be so focused on solutions, more so than I mean, than listen, than a long time. I mean, I know like the, the last one I think was the Great Recession in two thousand eight, <laughs> two thousand nine, when we had to manage it. But it wasn't like this. That mm -hmm. was all managing where you get leads from. <laughs> this was managing what are you doing with the leads? You can't do anything. 
So it was a lot with mindset. So we had to really have those conversations of, listen, we're going to be here. This is what we're going to do. And we, you find ways, you find creative ways. Utilizing uh, Zoom was a big, big opportunity for us. How do we create some fun with Zoom? How do we create, you know, we had to, we had to, of course, train. We had to have a different approach. We had to streamline some things. We had to, and fortunately there was, there was a lot of help throughout the network across the country where there are different locations, like, our, you know, the location in Colorado and Philly and corporate, everybody really came together, which was what was really cool. And daily calls mm -hmm. were, you know, working at reinventing our approach. So, and Yoho talked about it, uh, not just on this, um, at a summit, but prior to that, he had a couple of uh, webinars where he was talking to the various home improvement companies, um, I think, I don't know, it was Thompson Creek, what a couple of different companies and how they were adapting, utilizing technology to do so. So we first, you know, managing mindset was big. So um, keeping in contact with the reps, showing them that we're there to support them differently than we've ever been before. Uh, whether it's coaching calls, you know, how frequently those calls had to happen, follow-up calls from appointments, making sure that they were trained and they knew how to use the tools and that they had the proper tools for this new approach. You know, I mean all that played a part. It was all about no silos. We had to work very closely with the call center, with marketing and mm. how this message was going to be delivered. So um, it was a big challenge. I think it was, you know, forced innovation. I think it's great that, you know, we've been able to um, to adapt. And I, I said this quote on, the, you know, during the Yoho Summit that, you know, blessed is he who is flexible for he shall not be broken. So it was all about changing the way, and Wayne Dyer says this, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? Yeah. So, you know, we could look at that as, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's a disaster. There's no way. Or you say, listen, okay, this is across the board. So it's not just us. So we have a chance to really break through with technology and really innovate at a different level and and grow in a way we've never done before. I mean, so to look at it as from that place of excitement instead of dread. So we had a really, mindset's big, mindset, mindset, mindset. Uh, without a doubt, what you what we chose to focus on, we had to focus on, you know, again, what were we looking to achieve, not why we didn't think it would be possible. You know, and being prepared for challenges, but not succumbing to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mindset, mindset, mindset. Yeah. Big part, big that, part. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's resonating with me. I, like, I lost words. It's, it's such an awesome you know, concept. And you, it's one of those things you take for granted because you get so lost in the numbers of profits yeah. and P&L and all this stuff. And um, the mindset of your team is huge. And like you said, it's hard really to manage it when you're away, when everybody's in their own home. But um, good managers keep teams connected. And it sounds like your team is connected. <laughs> I love my team. I, love it I have two other sales managers that work with me as well. And, you know, we, we all have to be aligned. We all have to be aligned with our values, with our messages. And, uh, and we are, we have an awesome group. That's so, I mean, I'm very happy with who we have. Awesome. awesome. That wasn't always the case. <laughs> <laughs> sure. it takes, it's a process to get there. There you go. Um, no, but awesome. Yeah, Renee, really, that's, that's all the questions I had. And I think this has probably been one of my favorite episodes that I've done because I, I knew it was coming because I knew her at the seminar and I was like, she knows her shit and she's going to crush on, on like a podcast. So I have to get her on. So thank you so much for joining. I think there was a ton of value here, especially for 
um, you know, not even people that are like thinking of starting a career in, in home improvement, but like once you get to the sales manager position, like learning some of the, doing some of the things you're doing is, is it's so awesome to hear. So thank you again so much for coming on and this. I'm, this is going to be part one. I'm definitely having you on again sometime. <laughs> no thank you so much, Matt. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for, you know, of course, your kind words. I know I said that before, but it really means a lot. It does. So thank you.